Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Carlita, and I'm at 2017 Smoke Fast with Colin Wolf. What's going on today, Colin? Good, and yourself? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's hot. It's yeah, hot out here. Very hot. It's about 90 degrees outside. Yeah. In the shade. That's right. <laughs> 90 in LA versus 90 in North Carolina. Two different uh, things, right? Two different things. Forget about it. The humidity out here is crazy. Yeah. 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 Before we get into your you know, crazy list, your crazy discography. Mm-hmm. Let's start at the beginning. So can you remember your first musical memory? Um, first musical memory would be, I guess, my blind twin cousins who used to babysit my brother and I, um, trying to teach him how to play piano. And then I would teach myself what they were trying to teach him. So I guess that would be my first musical memory. And that was about three, four or something like that. Yeah. But you were around music growing up? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Um, yeah, I was around it, and then, like, my cousins would take me to different concerts and stuff, and play different records and stuff for me, you know, Isaac Brothers, Parliament Funkadelic, Jackson 5, and all that, yeah. Mm-hmm. My grandma would play uh, Teddy Pendergrass, and, and who was Gladys Knight, and all that kind of stuff, so you know how the older folks are, then you got the younger mm-hmm. folks, whatever, yeah. So it was always around, you can say that. Okay. Yeah. So was it like you always knew what you wanted to do in life or you know, you were gonna pursue a career in music or you know, how did that come about? It's not that I always knew, I just always did it. You know, it just and then it got to a point where the job started getting better and better. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that I always knew, I just always did it. Mm-hmm. So let's start in your, this is your life. <laughs> Let's go to 1991. 91. All right, so what was happening in 91? That's when you were connecting with NWA, right? Yeah, well, actually, that would be, I think I hooked up with them 89 or 90, because we okay. got to go back like 100 miles of running, mm-hmm. that EP, and right, then right, the right. Niggas for Life album. Right, 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 Niggas for Life, right. And then because the Chronic album came out in 92, so that means I think we probably started working on it in 90 or 91. Okay. So, yeah, when I hooked up with those cats, I think it was 88 or 89 or something like that. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So even earlier. Exactly. Then, all right. So how did that come about? I was playing at this place called the China Club. It was a club in, um, in Hollywood. Somebody hired me to play bass for them. And I was doing the bass solo. Right when I was doing the bass solo, the whole Ruthless Records posse came in. Easy e Dr. Dre, Jerry Heller, L.A. Dre, okay. and they were looking for a bass player to go on tour with Michelle. Mm-hmm. So when I came off stage, they asked me to go on tour with them. And when we came off the tour, I was just with those cats ever since then. It's yeah, so things just kind of flowed organically from there. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So it was kind of like you were auditioning that night, but you didn't know? I guess you can say that. I mean, I guess it's one of those typical stories you hear all the time, you know, right place, right time, but that's literally what it was. That's exactly what it was. So yeah, I guess you can say I was auditioning for them and didn't know it. Okay. So what was the creative process like working on those two projects? We would meet at the studio every day, Monday through Friday, took the weekends off, Okay. Uh, meet at the studio every day at 12, and... Usually we're like, well, we're first, first thing, one of the first things we would do is start listening to records. 
just old soul records. Dre would be playing me a bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. that some of hers, a lot of them I didn't hear before. Um, and then sometimes if when we were starting to work on the project, we'd write down a bunch of different titles, just start making up titles of songs that weren't created yet. Mm-hmm. And start making a track based off of the title. Mm-hmm. So it was like to kind of get the inspiration juices mm-hmm. flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then usually we'll get a beat and then the bass line and then start building it from there, basically. Okay. So how long did it take to put those two projects together? Six months, seven months, something like that. Okay. Something like that. They get it all said and done and then the labels do they thing. They they I think they required three months of set setup time back then. So once you turn in your album, mastering everything to the label back then, they need they want three months to set up everything, promotions, marketing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, so then moving on into the discography. So obviously we gotta talk about you know, Deep Cover and The Chronic. I remember hearing Deep Cover for the first time and I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, holy yeah. shit. Like, you know, <laughs> it changed everything. And then it led me to The Chronic. That's yeah. how I came yeah. to know The Chronic. And so so how did that, those projects come about? Well, it, it, I mean, and crazy you say that because I think... First time a lot of people heard that deep cover record, they was like, "What the? Yeah, what is exactly." The uh, people from um, Dre and Big Boy from Outkast told me the same thing when they heard yeah. it. They was like, "What is this?" Uh-huh. Um, we started on the Chronic album first, and then the deep cover soundtrack came like halfway through the Chronic album. So we paused on the Chronic album for a minute, and then went to um, went to the deep cover soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Did that one, put that out. That went out, I think they came out on Solar Records with Dick Griffey and mm-hmm. put that out and then went back and finished the album. Mm. So at the time, did you know, like, did it feel like something special was happening? Did you know how big of an imprint it was going to leave on hip hop history? No, it was just doing what we do. Um, I mean, the riots was going on at that time, right. so there was a lot of tension in the air. Um, everybody was broke, so the only thing we had was music. You know what I mean? Um, everybody stayed over at stayed at Dre's. Dre had this big old mansion in Calabasas. Everybody stayed there. Uh, the Dog Pound, RBX, DLC sometimes, and we would just wake up and do music. Have barbecues, do music, just mm-hmm. do our thing. I mean, but it was always just, always just around doing music, basically. Did it feel like a magic time? You know, kind of looking back. Yeah, because the songs kind of happened organically. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of thought in it because there there were so many creative people in the room that things just just came out dope. You know what I mean? Because if mm-hmm. You had the dog pound there, so they would all check each other, make sure each other's rhymes was dope. Right. So it was like a, you know, like a checks and balances going on. Mm-hmm. So there's so many creative juice, juices going on, like, you know, it's, it's going to come out dope when you have that many creative minds together. You know? Yeah. Something good is going to come out of it for sure. Mm-hmm. So were there ever disagreements along the way? 
No. No. So you were always on the same page? Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Were there like creative blocks ever? No. Right. <laughs> no. Like I said, there's so many. No, it's just, it just, it wasn't. Um, I mean, you just, you give me a beat and I can just rock to it. You know what I mean? So, no, we never had a creative block. Now that I think about it, no, we didn't. Oh.